right corner, click those bars, search events, look for Linked Up Church. All the information that we will share today will pop right up on that screen. You can follow right along with the message, and I'm sure you'll be thoroughly blessed today. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you today. We glorify you. We magnify you. Thank you. Even though the schools are closed down and churches are closed down, through technology, you've given us a platform to still be able to share your word. And so, Father, we're grateful for that platform today. Father, we believe this is an introduction to our future, Father, in terms of where you're taking us. Where we'll pastor people in the building, in a physical plant. But, Father, our reach will be far greater virtually, Father. Our virtual church will meet, reach tens and hundreds of thousands. And so, Father, there's no distance where your anointing is concerned. Your word can find its mark however the listening heart is listening. And so I pray that every burden today will be removed and every yoke will be destroyed as we share strategy for Linked Up Church for 2017. We thank you and give you glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name, And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's go back. We're going to talk about Connect 2017 our four by four strategy on last week we simply introduced that today we're going to get into it a little bit more and so let me just kind of share some of the things that I shared last week and then we'll build on that today we know that uh, traditional churches they give what's called a word for the year right and so this is 2017 the year of something And so when you learn about God and you understand God, God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So all the promises in him are yes and amen. So anytime you find a promise, how many of that's your promise for that year? And so what we decided to do was follow, and it's been in my heart probably for 20 years to actually pastor this way and lead this way. We decided to follow the strategy that God gave the early church. I want to prove to you that that strategy works. And because God doesn't change, if it worked back then, it's still working today. So let me just share some things with you today about strategy. Jesus gave strategy to the early church. Uh, B.H. Carroll, who's a famous Bible scholar, if you look, Google that name, you'll see a famous Bible scholar. In his commentary, he estimates that there were probably 100,000 members in, Jeru- in the Jerusalem church after roughly about 25 years. So after the church began, it took about 25 years for the church to build up to about 100,000 members. Peter Wagner and many have agreed, along with G. Campbell Morgan, estimates a minimum of 60,000 people. When I was in Bible school, we used a Bible dictionary called Holman's Bible Dictionary all the time. But you can look in any Bible dictionary and it will tell you that in New Testament times, the city of Jerusalem was approximately 200,000 people. So the city itself had 200,000 people in it. So I want you to think about this. If 100,000 people were saved, then half of the city had come to Christ. How many of y'all, that's a blessing. And that has always been God's will and his goal is that we really infiltrate wherever he plants us. All right. And so you'll notice in Acts 5, 28, you don't have to turn there. But the Jewish leaders of that time, they literally said uh, that they had Peter and the rest of the apostles had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. So you don't make a statement like that unless that doctrine has taken over a city. Right? So the leaders of that time said, you filled the city of Jerusalem 
with your doctrine. Acts 5.28. So when you look at the entire book of Acts, you'll find at least, this is not exhaustive, these are just the eight that I pulled out for the next four weeks that I'll minister here at Linked Up Church. But there are at least eight characteristics of the early church that positioned them for this kind of blessing. What kind of blessing? Where half of the city had come to Jesus. Folks, that's the goal for Linked Up Church. Where he's planting us, we've got to win that city first. There's no sense in talking about taking the gospel to the world if you can't win the city that he plants you in. Right? And so we've got to focus on where we're planted. And I'll prove that today uh, from the word of God. And so there are at least eight characteristics. Again, if we follow these characteristics, we can have the same blessing that was on that early church can be on linked up church today. Those same ancient leaders saw the blessing of God come on them. We want to believe God for that same blessing. It is on us. But we want it to manifest the same way it did for the church at Jerusalem. And so I'll cover two today. I'll cover two of the eight characteristics each week for the next four weeks during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So point number one, we must minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, people like to hear things, but they also like to see something, too. And so there are people, you know, believe it or not, the world is this way. If you don't show me, I'm not going to believe it. And so the world needs to see the reality that God is real. But how many know they don't need to see it in in theatrics? They need to see it in lives lived. See, a lot of times when we make a statement like that, we think about someone doing a miracle. But the real miracle is your life changing. I mean, that's a miracle when you go from cussing to not cussing. Okay, you all going to make it tough on me today. I mean, these are greater miracles, folks, is when a life is changed. I mean, that impacts people more than them seeing something. But then after that, they don't see you live anything. All right. And so we're going to see very clearly the purpose. When we talk about ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit changing lives. Okay. now let's walk through some scriptures. Go with me to Matthew chapter 28. Again, if you're watching online, just follow right along. Matthew chapter 28. Let's go back into some areas we just introduced last week. But now we're going to look at some definitions and some key meanings. Matthew chapter 28. After Jesus had been risen from the grave, uh, he gave some specific instructions to the apostles. And so let's read those beginning at verse 16. Uh, Most churches and, and people call this the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. Let's begin at verse 16. And I want you to listen very carefully, especially uh, online. Listen from your spirit because you're going to hear some things that that I'm sure uh, is really going to light your candle today. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What I always like to say as a leader everyone's not going to be on the same page when you first get started. How many know there's what you call early adopters, mid-adopters, and late adopters? How many know all of them need to be loved the same? Right? And so these are the people that are the closest to Jesus. You know, some worshiped, but then there were others who doubted, and that's just a part of the process. At the end of the day, we've got to let people know that we're from Missouri. What does that mean when you tell people you're from Missouri? It's the show me state, right? It'll prove itself out, okay? The word always works. So now, and Jesus came and he spoke unto them saying, all authority, authority here is a Greek word, exousia. He says, all authority 
delegated power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So what Jesus is showing up to them and saying, fellas, I've got the juice. That's what he's saying. I've got it. And what I'm getting ready to do is give it to you. Right now, watch this. Now, a lot of us think that juice is for in the church. Right. So what we practice a lot is having great church services. Thank God for great church services. But my job now is to get you out of the church. It's getting ready to shock you. I have to actually get you out of the building and get you where the people are. Because what church will turn into is a big bless me club. While a world is dying, we're in a building. We've got to get out of the building, folks. And so he said, all authority has been given unto me, exousia, in heaven and in earth. Fellas, I've got the juice. Then notice what he said. Go have a church service. What did he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, devoted followers of all nations, races here. Folks, I mean, we can't be all anything. There needs to be diversity in church. There needs to be diversity in the leadership of church. There needs to be a Hispanic component. Come on, somebody. There needs to be a, a, every race should be represented in all churches. And we need to go for that at Linked Up Church. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. But he said, go, therefore, and make devoted followers of all races, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism here. Baptize here is baptismo or baptizo. It actually means to submerge. What is that? He's saying get them saved, right? Cause them to be devoted followers and then confirm them. Water baptism is an outward sign of the inward grace of salvation. So we know that they can't be water baptized first. They have to be saved first in order to be water baptized. So he's saying confirm them publicly in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you sometimes. What did he say? What did he say? He said, lo, I am with you always, watch this now, even until the end of the age. So if you're a parent in here, you understand this language very clearly. As long as you do what I ask you to do, I'm paying for it. But when you no longer have to do what I ask you to do, you're paying for it. Come on, any parents in here know what I'm talking about. Come on, when you don't have to listen to me no more, you're grown. And that could be at 13. At that point, you got to let grown folks be grown folks. So you understand what he's saying. As long as you do what I've asked you to do, then I'm with you even until the end of this age. So if we want him with us, then how many know we need to do what he did and what he instructed us to do? Go with me to Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 24. Let's go there first. Luke chapter 24. And so we can see strategy that he left was to make disciples, devoted followers, baptize them, confirm them, grow them up, teach them the word of God. He says, as long as you're getting people saved, getting them water baptized, teaching them the word of God, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. When you get there, say amen. Luke 24. Let's begin reading at verse, mm, let's start at verse 44. Once again, Jesus appears to his disciples. This is Luke's account. Now, notice what Luke says here. Luke adds a, a different piece here to it. He appears to his disciples in verses 36 through 43. 
and then in verse 44, he begins to open the scriptures up to him. In verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. He said that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then listen to what he says here. He says, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And that very carefully here, watch this, and that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name to all races. Listen to the strategy beginning where? At Jerusalem, okay? But he told them to minister a specific way, okay? Watch this. He says, I want you to uh, preach repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name to all races, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Well, what is repentance, folks? See, a lot of times what we've trained people is to have a sin conscious. Because as soon as they come to church, what do we tell them? They're sinners, Right. And then even the ones that saved, we're beating them up because we're probably talking about, you know, something that they may have done. And a lot of times people are condemned sitting in church. Right. And how many know church is not a place where anyone should ever feel condemned? Church is a place where people should be liberated. So let's see what he actually said. He told them to preach something specifically here. Repentance here, folks, is a Greek word, uh, me teneo, and I'll spell it, uh, M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. Listen to what it means. It means to think differently. That is to reconsider. So you know what he was telling them to preach? Preach that the people get their thinking together, not confess their sins. All right, that didn't go over too well. I, I need an amen corner somewhere in this building, I, anywhere in this building, back there in the booth, back there in the back, over here on the side, a little mouse over there in the corner. I'm reading this to you straight out of the book. He's giving them specific instructions on what to preach. I mean, you know, we got to stop beating folks up. If they're saved, they're sinning because their thinking is off, not because they don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the son of God. So he said, preach repentance. Watch this. It's getting ready. It's going to take you to open up your spirits to really listen to what I'm going to share with you today. He says, preach repentance and what? Remission of sins. Well, we need to look at that word remission there. That's a Greek word, aphesis. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's spelled A-P-H-E-S-I-S. And guess what that means? Freedom. It means pardon. Listen to this, folks. It means liberty. It means delivered. So essentially what he said is tell them to think differently because I've already pardoned what they've done wrong. I've already liberated them from what they've done wrong. I've already freed them from what they've done wrong. So don't spend a whole lot of time on what they've done wrong. Spend a whole lot of time on helping them to think differently. Said, preach freedom, preach pardon, preach deliverance, preach forgiveness, preach liberty. Folks, I've got good news for everyone in this room. You are already free from sin. 
You are already liberated. You have, listen, you're not trying, why are we going to church to have deliverance services? You've already been delivered. It's no self, a deliverance ministry. Come on, folks, we've already been delivered. Okay, I'm going to prove to you as long as they did this, he stayed with them. You're going to see this over the next couple of weeks. When they stop doing this, because I mean, you know, human nature always thinks it knows a better way. Right? Anyone in here raising kids? I mean, they're going to get to an age as teenagers where I don't know if I believe that. And you got to let them see the other side of that. Right? Watch this. We're all, it's just human nature. Watch this now. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We must minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you, as long as we're telling people and preaching to them about, we're not focusing on what they're living, what they're doing wrong. We're focusing on the thinking that caused them to live wrong. Right? And then reminding them that they're already free from it. He's going to back us, folks. That's really the grace message. Okay? Watch this now. In Acts chapter 2, well, actually, uh, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. When you get there, say amen. Acts chapter 1. All right, let's begin reading at verse 1. Acts chapter 1, and he's going to say some other things here. They're going to recount the story in Luke chapter 24 that we just read. He says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, in verse 1, of all that Jesus began to both do and to teach. In other words, I kept a record of it until the day in which he was taken up. After, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, which we just read in Matthew 28 and in Luke chapter 24, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from where? Jerusalem, that's so important, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, so now specifically that's water baptism. But you shall be baptized something separate with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you, all, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? How I many know that's not what he was talking about here? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the father put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. This word power here is dunamis, or as they really, the way we were taught to pronounce that in Bible school was dunamis. But either way, at the end of the day, the bottom line, what it means is miraculous ability. It's where we get our word dynamite from, okay? And so watch how this miraculous ability initially comes on them and what it causes them to do. Because a lot of times this is what we get, you know, traditional church. How I many you know if, if, if somebody doesn't run and shout, we didn't have church? All right, so you all going to make it rough on me today. Right. You know, I want to see a move of God, Right? What if I told you he already moved and now he's waiting on you to move? Then when you go, you'll see that he already went. I'll prove all of that over the next couple of weeks, right? And so what we've been doing, folks, is having church instead of being the church. 
So we kind of figured out how to have church. Some good music. Come on, some good shouting. Right? A few, few laps around the church. But a year later, nobody's life changed. All right. So he says something very powerful. But you shall receive power, dunamis or dunamis, when the Holy Ghost has come not within you, but what? Upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Isn't that interesting? First thing he says about this miraculous ability coming on you is going to give you an ability to testify about me. It also is really talking about what we live before him. What we live before him is far greater than what he uses us to do for people. Do you all understand the difference there? Right. And so what we live before him is a greater testimony than anything that he uses us to do for him. Right. And so when we are testifying of his goodness and we're telling people what that, that hey, you're OK. You just think wrong. That's the only reason you're doing this is because the thinking is off. Let me help get you some additional information, at least to give you another way to think about what you're doing. You know, people can receive that a whole lot better than you're going to go to hell for doing that. You don't think they already know that? And here's the reality. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? Of course, straight to hell. They already know that. What they want to have, they want help. They want to know that, hey, hey, look, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. Let me just give you a different way to look at your marriage. And then you make the choice whether or not this works for you, right? And whatever you've done wrong, God's already forgiven you of that. He's already freed you from it. He loves you so much. Watch this. He's not even holding it against you. Matter of fact, he doesn't even remember it. How I many you know now I can listen to you now? Right now we're talking about being good witnesses to people. See, judging people and condemning people is not being a good witness. But loving on them and showing them and correcting the thinking is being a great witness. So he says here, you shall be witnesses unto me. And then he goes right back to the strategy. In where? Jerusalem first. And then Judea. And then Samaria. And then to the end of the earth. So what he's telling them is start at home. And if you look at a map, you'll see that Judea and Samaria are the surrounding cities. So church strategy, folks, is that you've got to win home first. That's the prerequisite before you go anywhere else. And so you won't see us linked up international church, and we haven't even impacted the community that we're in yet. Right? Let's be local first before we start talking about being international, okay? And so we're going to follow this strategy. I now know the city that we're going to. Very shortly, I'll tell you all what city that is. Let me just say this. If anyone has told you, people have emailed me, whether you're watching, if anyone has told you where they think the building is and given you an address, listen, if you haven't heard me say anything, don't believe it. That's just people looking for attention. The only people know for sure are the people who are in that closing room and one other person, the business manager who cut the check. Anything else that you're hearing, just stick with me, okay? Everybody clear on that? Just stick with me. All the rest of that is people searching for attention. If you haven't heard me say anything publicly, let me tell you, that's immaturity because they're getting ahead of their leader if they're doing something like that. And you heard me publicly say why I can't tell you because the deal is not 100% complete yet. So we can't have no errors here. 
right? We close, but there's some due diligence items that they still need to perform. So listen to me. Stick with your leader. Anything else is somebody looking for attention. Let me get a better amen than that. All right? And so once we can, we will. Trust me. We're going to tell you what city, and the goal is to go take this city. I need a little bit more reinforcement than that. I, let me hear you on social media there. Let, let, let me hear you through social media today. Listen, the goal is to go take that city. All right? So now, go to Acts chapter 2. Let's just go over there very quickly. And then let's see the second thing that came on them. So the first thing was so that they could be a witness, right? Right? And then look at the second thing here. So in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Uh, and suddenly, now let me see if you all know where they were at and all on the same page. What city were they in? They were in Jerusalem, right? Because that's where he told them to go. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues as of fire. Did not say that it was fire, as of fire. And one set upon each of them. Watch this now. Second thing that we see happening to them as a result of the power coming on them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or languages. Okay, I'll get more into that as the year goes on. Watch this. They did this as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, folks, we're getting ready to spend 21 days of prayer. And I can tell you that one of the greatest gifts of prayer is the ability to pray in other tongues. About 90% of my prayer time is spent praying in other tongues. Romans chapter 8 says that there are times when we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself make intercessions for us with groanings and utterances that cannot be uttered. And what is it for? To help us in our weaknesses. Folks, there are just times when we don't know what to do. We don't have the answers. How many know the Spirit has all the answers and the Spirit knows what to do? And the more that we pray in other tongues, uh, Jude tells us, building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The more we pray in other tongues, how many know it strengthens our inner man? And then we're ready to attack the day. And then what our spirit knows, our spirit illuminates our mind. And we have what's called an aha moment where we just know what to do, how to do it. And when to do it. Folks, Linked Up Church started, listen to me, with nothing three years ago. I didn't know anything, where to go, what to do, who to talk to. I didn't know anything. I was depleted. I was busted up. All I could do was pray in other tongues. And I did that for hours a day, hours a day, just praying in other tongues, praying in other tongues, calming my mind down, keeping me settled. And then all of a sudden answers would come to me and I know where to go and who to call or someone would call me and say, I've got a building for you. We've got a location for you. Call this place. Go there. And the more and more I prayed in other tongues, the more power came on the inside of me, the more clarity I had of understanding, clarity, clarity of vision, the more I knew what to do, how to do it. Folks, and three years later now, we have gone to West End. We've come back to the Marietta Performing Arts Center. We've opened up office spaces, and we have purchased our own building cash, folks. We owe no man nothing but to love him. And let me tell you what I attribute that to. 
the gift of praying in other tongues. The Spirit knew what I didn't know. And how many know a lot of times we don't know what we don't know? And we're out operating and doing stuff, not even knowing that we don't know that that's not working. But the Spirit will make it clear for you. Let me tell you, if you're going to pray these next 21 days, you're going to need to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's very difficult to pray in English. You're going to run out of words to say for six hours, four hours, two hours. You're going to exhaust what you can do in yourself, but you'll never exhaust the Spirit. The reality is when you're responsible for thousands of people, I cannot remember every prayer request. I cannot remember every person that said, be in agreement with me about this. I can't remember every person that I counsel. I can't, but the Spirit does. And all I've got to do is say, Father, I don't remember everything that was brought before me on this week, but Holy Spirit, you do. So I pray for every couple that I counseled this week, every person who came in line for me to be in agreement with them about something. Father, I pray your perfect will over their lives right now and I just take off another tongue and folks I end up being so refreshed afterward days of refreshing and we're getting ready to spend 21 days of refreshing but let me tell you if you want to be as effective as you can be pray in other tongues we're going to give you an opportunity to receive that today hallelujah hallelujah Glory to God. Let me just say this about that before I move to the next point and close. Notice, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Okay. Notice, they were filled and they began to speak. Biggest thing I want to tell that listening audience that's watching uh, via the Internet right now and those that are in the building that may not be aware. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not getting ready to grab you and make you do anything. You have to cooperate. Utterance means manner or style by which you speak. And no two people will ever speak the same. Just like no two people have the same vocal cords, no two people will ever pray in other tongues the same way. Right? And so what you've got to do is yield your vocal cords. You've got to yield your tongue, and then the Spirit will give you the utterance. You can't just stand there and go, fill, fill me, Lord. He already filled you. Now, you've got to cooperate and open up and begin to just allow it to flow through you. And then he's going to give you the manner and the style by which you speak. Folks, we've got to be a spirit-filled church that operates in the power of God. But we can't be a spooky church. All right. All right. To to minister in the Holy Spirit's power means to have spirit-filled. Watch this. And I wrote this down. Because the spirit also is very much under control. So we've got to be spirit filled, but also spirit controlled. I mean, while I'm up ministering, he's not getting ready to make you come up here and do backflips and jump. Come on, so that's just people trying to draw attention. And it's what turns other people off. So people end up saying, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want none of that at all. And can I just be honest? And then a lot of times they don't have victory in their lives. The first church I went to, I'd watch all of the, they, I mean, they get, boy, they tear a church up. Anybody here? I mean, they do, oh, man. And then soon service over, which way you going? And then they need a ride. And I would always, I'm only 22 years old, I just got to say, and I would always say, man, all that power in the building is not translating to success outside the building. And something about that never registered with me. 
So what I'm saying is we want to be spirit-filled, but how many know the spirit is always in control? He's never going to make you do stuff where you're out of control. And I'm going to prove that to you. Two good amens. Amen. And one good hallelujah. hallelujah. And one good thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And so listen to this. I wrote all of this down because I don't want to miss any. One of the characteristics of people who try to minister in a church without God's spirit is simple. It's called fatigue and a bad attitude. Did you all hear what I just said? Clear indications of people who are not operating in a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life. Burnout and a bad attitude. They're trying to do it all in their own power and ability. Don't get along with anybody. Hear everything the wrong way. All right, you You end up running on your own steam rather than running on the power of the Holy Spirit's steam. So the starting point is the minister with the Holy Spirit's power. Notice he reminded them, don't leave Jerusalem until you get this power on you. So folks, for what we're getting ready to do, I want you to understand what he told them. If you try to go out here on your own, you're going to burn out. So what he's saying, make sure you have something on you before you start all of this work. Isn't that good? All right, so now, point number two, and then we're going to close for the day. We must maintain unity through fellowship. Uh, Drop down to verse 42 in Acts chapter 2. We must maintain unity through fellowship. All right, and so look at verse 38. Now, I want you to recall some things that he instructed them to do, right? He told them specifically what to preach to the people. Does anyone remember what? Two of those things were repentance and what? All right. What does repentance mean? To change the way you think. Did he tell them to preach confession of your sins? What did he tell them to do? Preach repentance. What was the other thing? Remission, right? What is remission? Liberty, freedom, pardon, right? Watch what Peter's doing here, folks, so, so you can understand. Folks, we can't, we can't condemn anybody. We can't, I don't care what they did last night. It's not our job to condemn them. Our job is to help them understand the reason you did that is most likely your thinking is a little off. And so I'm not here to judge you. Let me just give you another way to think about that. And here's the reality. God already forgave you for it. And listen, you're free to walk away from it right now because he loves you. And, and, and he doesn't even remember it anymore. Look at what Peter's doing. Look at verse 38, folks. I'm going to show you all of this so clearly in the scripture. Linked up church, we cannot condemn anybody. Folks, we got to love everybody. Gays, lesbians, Republicans, Democrats. Come on, somebody. And love them exactly the way they are. All we can do is offer them a different way to think. But then after that, we got to keep loving them. And if they keep coming in that state, we'll keep loving them in that state. Linked up church is open to everybody. And you won't be judged and you won't be condemned. One thing we're going to do is offer you a different way to think about what you're doing. I mean, we've done our job if we do that. Look at Peter here. Perfect example. Look at verse 38. 
Peter, after he preached that powerful message, look at, look at what he said. Then Peter said to them, confess your sins. Is that what he said? You're a sinner going to hell. Is that what he said? See, if you don't study, folks, 2 Timothy 2.15 says the what? Study to show yourself. Right there, you think what? People got to come down and confess their sins. That's not what he said. He said, repent, change the way that you think, and let every one of you, they're following the script exactly, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Watch this. For the what? See that? See, you flowing today. See, see, you, you, I'm going to give you a, a star at the end of this service today. I'm gonna put that star right there on her. See, just, I mean, you're, you're, you're flowing. You're following. Excellent. Watch this. For the remission, the pardon, the forgiveness, the removal of sins, and then here it is. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you and to your children. And to all who are far off, watch this, as many as the Lord our God will call. Look at verse 40. Now, church that's ministering that, it will grow, folks. And with many other words, he testified and he exhorted them. Why? He testified. What did he say? The power is going to come on you to be a what? A witness. So what is Peter out doing? Being a what? Witness. Why is he going to give you all of this power to just come to church? So he's out testifying, right? (laughs) And exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those that gladly received his word were were baptized. Water baptized. Well, again, you cannot be water baptized unless you're first what? Saved. And then they kept the record of this, right? And and they were baptized. And in that day, one day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So notice, we don't see nothing at this point about anything other than the power coming on people to get people saved and to testify about the goodness of Jesus. Church made it about theatrics. Jesus made it about souls. Isn't that good? All right. It says, be saved from this perverse generation. Those that gladly received his word were baptized. That day about 3,000 souls. Well, how do they know 3,000 souls? They had to keep a record. So many people, all these books out about, I'm not joining no church. Church membership is of the devil. How would they know 3,000 souls if they didn't have some kind of record? Where do we get this stuff from? How how are you going to get a visa card without filling out an application? You wouldn't go in the visa and say, you know what, I don't believe in applications anymore. To be a part of anything, you got to sign your name. How would the people that you signed up with know that you belong? So 3,000 souls were added in one day. Watch this. And then this is what they did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? Fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in what? Prayers. Folks, we're getting ready to spend 21 days, hopefully in good fellowship and some good, uh, not food for 21 days but good healthy food when you are eating. 
And the most important thing here is prayer. Let me just say these things here. This is the perfect example of fellowship. They loved each other, right? So when God has a bunch of baby Christians, listen to this very carefully. He looks, this will bless you. He looks for the warmest incubator he can find. So you all just had babies. Those babies went into warm incubators. Purpose of the incubator is to what? Care, keep the baby warm, right? Till the baby gets back into your care or is big enough to go out on his own outside of the incubator. Well, what are small groups, folks? Incubators. What are fellowships? Incubators. Where babies who just gave their life to Christ can come and stay warm and stay encouraged and stay built up. The church that has the warmth and fellowship and harmony, God blesses that church with new believers because he wants them to be in an environment where they can grow. So God is always going to send people who want change, want to be saved, and want to grow to places that are going to care for them properly. You'll find ten times in the first five chapters, and I looked at every single one of them of the book of Acts, it says they were unified. Uh, They were on one accord. They had one heart. They had one purpose, one spirit, all united in thought. Ten times in the first five chapters of the book of Acts, you'll find that terminology. Listen, folks, God can overlook a lack of facilities. He can overlook a lack of programs. Watch this. He can even overlook a lack of leadership. But what he'll never overlook is disharmony. Scripture says where strife and envy, confusion is, there's every evil work. And so, folks, we've got to be a unified body. Got to be on the same page. I mean, that doesn't mean we're going to always agree. I mean, that definitely doesn't mean we're going to always get along. But if we make it about what's most important, we can always have fellowship. Well, what's the most important thing? Jesus Christ has uh, died and risen from the grave. We all believe in that. Then how many of we can get together? And we've got to make everything else minor and make sure that we major on the majors. Can't let stuff break us up so that people get picked off. We've got to stay together. Being unified is so important. We need a, a church of harmony, unity, must be maintained at all costs because, listen to this, if a church has good fellowship and we all build each other up, then guess what? Then we're all growing. And if we're all growing then we're all having something called success in life. Now, notice the results of good fellowship. Look at verse 47. The word, good fellowship, prayer, good food. Look at verse 47. These people continued to praise God. They had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church on Sunday only those that were being saved. Well, well, folks, how can the Lord add to a body daily when you only have church services on Sunday. It's because they were going. They were out testifying. They were on the job adding people to the Lord. They were in school, young people, adding people to the Lord. Wherever they saw people, they were testifying. But I want you to show, I I did that today so you would understand the style. Please don't condemn anyone. They don't need to be told how bad they are. Please don't ever do that. That is a part of our past that linked up church. That's not a part of our future. 
Only thing we want to do is offer people another way to look at it. Right? Hey, hey, no, no, I'm not. You're grown, so you can live your life however you want to live it. Let me just share another, another angle for you. And here's the reality. That over there, God already forgave you of it. And you've already been delivered and encouraged them to walk in the freedom of that. Lord added to that church daily those who were being, that, that were shouting, that were backflipping, that were what? Folks, if this is not about souls, then we're all just putting on a show. But if this is about souls, then let's get to work. Praise God. I want to pray over you today. I'm done. Father God, whether they're listening via Periscope, Facebook Live, or physically in this building today, my prayer for us today, Father, is that at salvation, we all have the Holy Spirit within. But my prayer today, Father, is that the fire comes back and the burden comes back, Father, for the Holy Spirit upon the ability, first and foremost, to testify of your goodness, Father, to, to preach repentance, Father, to help people and show people another way to think, Father, and that they've already been forgiven and pardoned and freed and liberated from any sin in their lives. Father, help us to desire that, Father, to, to pray in other tongues, Father, to, to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, Father, to, to strengthen our inner man, Father, to at times when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, Father, the Holy Spirit prays the perfect will of God for us, Father. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come, reveals to us the things that are freely given to us, Father. I pray for this listening audience, Father, virtually and in this building. May we redevelop a passion and a desire for those things. And, Father, my prayer is that this church will be unified. Through fellowship, Father, through getting together outside of the building. Not just with ourselves, Father, but with those who don't know you. Never condemning them and never judging them. But just giving them another way to look at things, Father. And showing them that you're a forgiving and a loving God. And you've already pardoned whatever wrong it is that they've done. Father, I'm praying that Linked Up Church will have unity through fellowship. Father, let it be sincere. Let it be pure. Let it come from our hearts, Father. Sure, we're going to have things that we don't see the same, things that we don't get along about. But, Father, let that be the minor things and let us focus on the major things, which is loving you and loving your son and loving each other, Father. You said that those were the greatest things that we could do, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, I'm praying for unity and harmony through fellowship at Linked Up Church. Now, whether you're watching me online or you're sitting in this building today, I don't know your story. I just know God is a good God. And I know he can take you from where you're at right now to where you want to be. So if you're in this building or you're watching live on the Internet, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you.